0: All right. Hello, everyone. He is risen. I heard it It echoing in the Digisphere, all that um, all that love that we have knowing that our Lord is alive and in his train, he brings us alongside him. And now uh, we are alive with him if we trust him as our Lord and Savior. So glad you could join us this morning on this uh, Easter morning. It's a strange one for all of us again, because I don't think anybody has ever experienced anything quite like this, where the only gatherings that we're able to have are online. And yet uh, the privilege of being able to do that, I think has a plus side because there are many people that are able to gather alongside with us who normally couldn't be in our worship setting and I'm so grateful for that. As we begin our time together, I just want to uh, bow and uh, have you bow with me in a word of prayer, and then we'll begin to uh, go into what we're going to be talking about today. So let's go to the Lord. Our Father, we are so grateful that as we begin this first day of the week, it is a reminder of how it is that we face life not in a sense of hopelessness and despair, but with anticipation of things to come. And we are grateful, Father, that in your word, there are promises that have been laid out for us that we cling to. And as we do, Lord, we know they ultimately find their fulfillment in, in you, Lord Jesus. And we're grateful that as we look at life, this side of a bloodstained cross and an empty tomb, We put our confidence not in something, but in someone, uh, namely you. And we are grateful that your abiding presence is with each of us uh, as we call on your name and as we trust you with our lives, with our circumstances, with everything that we're going through. Father, we are grateful that as we gather today, we can have a hope that keeps us steadfast in an, a very uncertain moment, and it is because of you, Lord Jesus, that something inside of us is different. And I pray, Father, that as we move into this time in your word, that our hearts would burn within us with a new awareness uh, that you are alive and that you are risen. And no matter what our circumstances are uh, because of you, um, we can face whatever it is that we need to face and do so with confidence. Father, I just want to uh, lift up all of the people that are here in this gathering online. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts and our minds as you share with us through your spirit uh, and the enabling of your word, uh, your presence. And I pray that you would be with each of us today as we gather. We thank you, Lord, that you have not only given us a hope, but you've also, in the circumstances that we're facing, given us a perspective on how we can weather the storm and navigate the times. So Father, so much to pray for, but we just want to lift this up to you as we celebrate together our risen savior. And we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Well, just a couple of things before we get started in the message. Um, uh, Brian and Mandy have put together some songs uh, that are also on the uh, YouTube site that are right alongside this message. And if you want to right now, you're welcome to just uh, click to those links. Uh, What you're watching will be uh, available as as, as it uploads to YouTube in just a little while after uh, I complete it. Uh, so however you want to do it, you can listen to the songs at the end of the message. It's a good way to celebrate. Uh, they've done a wonderful job of putting, uh, some very powerful songs and lyrics together so that we can celebrate in that spirit, uh, what it is that makes this day so special. As we gather, uh, it is, uh, uh an Easter that has been, um, uh, a strange one to say the least, but as we look backward through time, we know that over the experience of uh, human history for 2000 years, people have been looking at this day as, as perhaps the most significant day of all, because it has put within the hearts of people who looked at life and the lens of despair and death, uh, to take that lens and expand it further into uh, deliverance and the prospect for uh, a remaking of our lives and all of creation. And that's a pretty bold way of uh, describing everything that Jesus accomplished uh, on, uh, on those days that uh, we remember so well. Uh, the Friday, the Saturday, and the Sunday leading up to um, his ultimate resurrection. And as those three days signify the events that occurred in his life, there's something about three days in the Bible that uh, seems to uh, be uh, the, the necessary period of time that God uses to shape uh, our hearts and our perspective uh, so that we can fully understand the significance of the things that, uh, that he's doing. If he just threw it right at us and we didn't have time to ponder or meditate on it, I think um, it might not uh, weigh as heavily in the significance that it has for what he has done. And we are a people of the third day. Uh, as the Apostle Paul writes about this event uh, in hindsight, and he's sharing the good news and he literally describes it as that. In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, we read these words uh, that that I think in, 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 in your hearts and your minds uh, probably cause uh, 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 something to stir, but I wanna refresh our memories from that passage in, uh, the, in what the Apostle Paul wrote um, in First Corinthians 15. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Peter and the 12 And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me. And as Paul is writing these words, he's writing them to a church that has gone through its own set of struggles, its own dashed hopes, its own... Uh, internal conflicts, its own cognitive dissonance. And so many times when I look at the writings of the Apostle Paul or even the Gospels, I discover that even though the circumstances and the culture and the place are different, the fact that it's a shared human experience makes what is being told so timeless. And as Paul shared these words about what happened on the third day, If you're familiar with Bible events in the past, it seems like God does some of his best work uh, in reference to the third day. It is uh, the day when uh, we discover in the book of Exodus that the prisoners of Pharaoh get set free. It is the day uh, the people come to the mountains and the mountains shake and the rivers are parted and people go into the promised land. The third day is the day when a harem girl named Esther faced down a powerful giant of the kings. And it was on the third day that the prophet Jonah uh, was dropped off at the side of the at seashore uh, by a giant fish. Third day that the idols like Dagon came tumbling down. It's a reference that we find in the Psalms that we've been reading. And it is uh, the day that God starts coming home to His people. The third day is the day that the stones are rolled away. It is the day that a crucified carpenter came back to life. You never know what God's going to do before that third day happens. Because in those events, there seems to be the theme of, of despair and death and hopelessness. And a sense that I don't know how we can ever overcome the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And I think that's why it's especially important for us to highlight that. Because you may be experiencing what feels like day one, despair. And when Jesus was on that cross, It was a despairing moment because he had been abandoned completely. His world had been completely upended. And as he's languishing on the cross, getting ready to expire, there is just a sense of hopelessness in the air. The people that followed him, that had their confidence in him, that trusted him are beginning to fall away. And just go back into a a mode of being that they were in before Jesus appeared on the landscape. And on that second day, death, where Jesus is now in the tomb, his heart has stopped beating, his lungs have stopped assimilating air, and everything about his body was lifeless. And maybe some of you are feeling that in a sense that is more spiritual or perhaps psychological than real, but perhaps you're even grieving for the loss of a loved one. And death is one of those things that seems to have such an air of finality. And when you read the events in the Old Testament, when God did his best work on the third day, it reminds us that there is a pivot that happens that changes everything. And God is giving us a, a sense of what that means in the deepest and most profound way through what his son experienced here on earth when he showed us the way and when he gave us a hope. I want to start off with that with that word hope for just a second. Because hope is one of those things that we have to carry around with us. It's a thing that helps us to get up in the morning. It's a thing when we put our head down at, on, on our pillow at night that uh, we we anticipate that the next day we have something to look forward to. Hope is one of those things that as as it is defined, it is a desire for something anticipated. Those two words, desire and anticipated is a way of, um, uh, 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 of, of just looking at the component parts of what hope really means. There was a desire that people had that Jesus would come and that he would change everything about the world that they lived in as the coming Messiah. But whenever time unfolded and he rode into town on the donkey, and then he wasn't triumphant as a king, but rather died a humiliating death, that desire disappeared. And that anticipation, well, it, 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 it quickly faded away. And maybe you're in that place where you're wondering, what can I hope in in these times? And I would say that if you're looking for something to provide that answer that you're looking for in your life, no matter how much promise it, it, it shows you, it's never going to fully satisfy and in the end it will disappoint. But if you change that word to someone, I think that is really the place that when you start there, you find that in the end, it's satisfying and it is lasting. Or maybe better put, he's satisfying and he is lasting because he changes everything and he is the foundation for everything that we hold dear and sacred. It is, uh, it is, it is is, uh, an awareness that there is a person in the background of our lives. Now who is alive, who's given us promises that in him, we ourselves would be alive if we trusted him as our Lord and savior. And that's not a hope that we look at in terms of an abstract reality or a philosophy or an idea that just sounds really good and a a trust in a person that's been gone for a long time from the standpoint of some historical books. Rather, it is an idea that has a life-giving power in it. And as Paul said these words, he said, this is the good news. He is the good news that Jesus died and he rose again. I think this moment that we're in, which is so bizarre, is a way for us to pay attention to this reality. And I I can't help but wonder if in in God's wonderful providence and way of of manifesting his presence in the, the timeline of history, that he isn't leveraging COVID-19 for His purposes and for His glory. As I read online about different missionary groups and people that are evangelizing, they're saying that people are more open than ever to hearing things that give them hope and especially to hearing things about Jesus. And as they begin to take to heart the substance of the good news, Lives are starting to change and people are starting to wake up. I sometimes feel like we've been in sort of a stupor for quite a while. We've been distracted by good and powerful things that have to do with technology or the busyness of life. And in the process, the things that have to do with the things of God have been sort of pushed aside. And we haven't really thought about the deeper things that cause us to ponder whether or not there is any meaning to it all, or if there is a sense of hope underneath it all. But now we're forced into that place. And a lot of us have had to do soul searching and people who've never done soul searching before are finding that they need to wake up to realities that are spiritual. I wanna tell a a quick story about a a friend of mine that I, I just met this week. And uh, his name is Ashton and Ashton was one of those people who would confess that he had no interest in things spiritual, uh, not 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 even a consideration toward the things of God. And about five months ago, that impression began to overwhelm him and he didn't know where it came from. But my assumption is somebody has been praying for this young man. And as a result of God just pressing in on his life and making himself more and more front and center in his stage of awareness, he felt a deep conviction about the things that he's done in his life that have had no regard for God whatsoever and how in so many ways they've just resulted in pain and anguish in his own life and in the lives of the people that That he cared for. And he was looking for a way to redirect his life into a new hope and a new prospect. And that's where a phone call to our church and then ultimately a conversation about baptism and a longer conversation about how God works in our lives that he and I were able to share together led to a. Not just a hope in in things or people, but hope in a living savior. And I have the privilege of baptizing Ashton this week. And it it really was the highlight of the week for me, especially when we're thinking about Holy Week, because that experience symbolized everything that Holy Week was about. And it was such a joy to, uh, to hear him say. Pastor, I need to get baptized. And he was very persistent about it. And it was interesting because it was him who uh, who, who initiated that conversation and not me. And as he was saying that with a sense of urgency, there was also a sense of fear that he would continue on living his life without having God as his place of safety. His place of security, his place in eternity. And I think ultimately just the knowledge that the hope that he had in things and people and circumstances which wasn't working out would pivot into a confidence that the hope in a savior would now there's a lot of exciting things that I could tell you about the conversations that I had with Ashton, which, um, just really, uh, ma- made, uh, made some profound, uh, uh, effects on, on my own thinking. And, uh, perhaps one of these days with his permission, I can share his testimony. But I just want to say that when we go into the waters of baptism, we re-dramatize the Easter experience every time. There is a death, there is a burial, there is a resurrection. In the three days that Jesus did his last final work and completed them, we re-dramatize that experience personally and identify with it personally. Because God does his best work under those conditions. Our God is a third day God. Now, right now, a lot of us are in a place of darkness. And perhaps hopelessness is creeping in and despair and wondering, will the world ever be the same as it was again? And I would tell you that when people begin to embrace the good news, they stop worrying so much about the world and its circumstances. And they start focusing more and more on a savior who has the power to overcome anything that the world would bring our way. And in a lot of ways, we have a fear because we trusted so many things to be stable and to be, uh, to, 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 to be a safe place for our vulnerabilities. But you can see how unstable the world truly is when we have a virus come on the scene that begins to cascade into stock markets plummeting. So you have a virus that on an epidemiological level is beginning to um, uh, create destruction. And then in the category of finances, that begins to collapse. And then in the category of public education and the way the institution was structured, that begins to uh, disintegrate. And in the category of all of the things that we adhere to so much in our culture that were distractions, although good things in, in their own place, like sporting events and social gatherings, and, and even uh, different civic institutions that we take part in, our ability to participate in all of those things has just has just disintegrated. And when you look at all of the different venues that we participate in in life, all the places that we go to find camaraderie, and joy and hope, all the things that we trust that are gonna keep us secure in the long run, like the stock market, even our own health and the possibility of a virus coming and undoing it completely, and perhaps devastating us and our families to the point of death. I think if you just catalog all of those features that the world presents to us as stable things. I think it's pretty clear how vulnerable those different institutions truly are when conditions are right. And yet God is that one stable constant, despite it all. Is coronavirus going to defeat God? Is the stock market going to replace God as the basis for ultimate security? Are our civic institutions going to be a, a viable place to um, find community in its deepest sense of of the word? Are we going to look at um, sporting events in their own distractive way as something that can bring us greatest joy. Now all those things are good, but they are not the source for the deepest needs that we have. And sometimes we have to go through a painful Friday where the despair and the hopelessness of the things that we trusted begin to collapse. We have to go through a, a grieving period of death where That way of life that we live before, well, before COVID-19 is no longer coming back. And we could stay stuck in the second day. But our God is a God of third days. He is a God of resurrections. He is a God of life, only life immortal. And a blessing cross and an empty tomb were the ways that our God has provided for us to be able to experience a hope like we could never imagine. A hope that is part of the riches that we have in Christ that can never spoil or fade. And the Apostle Paul was writing later on in um, or actually prior to chapter 15 and chapter 13, that great love chapter talks about things disintegrating and disappearing. But he tells us three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And if you're familiar, you know, that the greatest of these is love. We have faith that everything that Jesus said, and did, was true. We have hope that everything that he accomplished on our behalf, will one day be fulfilled in our lives. And even if death knocks on our door, we no longer need to be afraid. Because in him, we have life eternal. But ultimately, the thing that drives faith and hope and the Different aspects of how we put our confidence in them is the love of a father who looks at the creation, and that would be us, in all of its distractedness. And he doesn't cause the evil that we but he does work in it and through it. And maybe you're going through a dark valley or a time of despair or even. A grieving process that has to do with death. And God says, I do my best work in three days time. And he may, he may possibly be working in your heart and he may have been for a while like my friend Ashton. And when all of those processes come to maturity, then we find the third day when God does the unimaginable and the unthinkable, and the thing that we never thought could happen. He creates the conditions for resurrection. You know, when the two men on the road to Emmaus were pondering what had happened, they weren't thinking about the resurrection. They were just thinking about the savior that they put their confidence in Not being able to fulfill his promises. But then. When he broke bread. And he drank. The fruit of the vine with them. Their hearts burned within them. From the words they said. And the scripture says. Their eyes were opened. And for the first time. They were woke. They saw what they could never see before, that the God that they worshiped was a God of three days. It's a three-day story and it's a process and I believe that God is working that process in each of your lives. And as I come to a close on this message, I want you to know that He is risen and I know you're saying He is risen indeed. And it is the deepest, most profound truth of all. It is how we overcome. And he is the one through whom all of those things happen. Would you trust him in a spirit of faith with your life? And would you hope in him that the things that he said are true? And would you receive the love that only a father could give to his children the kind of love that peers into our hearts, sees our pain, and does everything possible to rescue us from the predicament that we found ourselves in. Would you bow with me? Father, as we end this time in your word, we just celebrate the good news that Jesus is alive, that he is risen, and that he appeared to so many, and in many ways, he appears to us through the word and through your spirit. And I pray, Father, that you would manifest your presence through those things as we've shared them today, that every heart would feel that warm warmth inside, that burning, that sense of, we've just seen Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for the various ways that you appear to us. I thank you that in our pain and in our despair, you show up. I thank you that when there is death, that you are there in the deepest, darkest valley. And I thank you, Lord, that ultimately, by the power of the resurrection, you call us into a place that can never perish, spoil or fade. You raise us immortal and we become people of hope no matter what happens in our circumstances. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were faithful to the end. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming out of that tomb. As your heart began to beat again, as air began to um, move through your body and assimilate into your cells, as your hands and your feet began to move as you got up and you manifested yourself and your presence in a way that said, I'm alive. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In you, we trust you with our lives and our very being, no matter what. In Jesus name. Amen. Well, as we conclude our time in the word, and our time in uh, preaching. Um, I do want to encourage you, if you, if you can, uh, to um, uh, take a minute or two and we can celebrate the Lord's Supper together. It is a way of uh, taking just some bread and some juice or water or something that you have and just looking at the, the, the symbolic nature of what these elements represent. As you know, the last gathering that Jesus had with his disciples was centered around the um, the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the fruit of the vine. It was a way for Jesus to define the experience that we would have with him in the future. It is a reminder of a covenant that he creates that provides the secure boundaries by which we can, we, we can face any set of circumstances, knowing that the peace of Christ that passes all understanding uh, envelops us within the boundaries of that covenant, knowing that in that covenant, because of what the symbols uh, that we uh, that we partake together in the bread and the cup, remind us of that, that day of despair, when our sins, and the curse, uh, against creation was taking was taken into his being on the cross. And then he offered himself as a sacrifice because of his great love for us. And so the most significant event that we can do this Easter, besides declaring that he is risen, is to remember how it is that we participate with him in that new life. And it is through his blood and his broken body, that we claim allegiance with him, we claim our new identity as his children, we recognize that in him, no matter what we are secure. And if there is any concern that we've ever had about our own sense of worth and our own sense of significance, it reminds us that in that new identity as God's children, We are worthy because he died for us. He values us. He loves you. And he wants you to be with them forever. So as we take of the bread that reminds us of what he had to do in order to make our lives what they needed to become, we take into consideration how it is that each of us personally know him in a personal relationship by the forgiving of our sins and giving us a sense of righteousness and wholeness and peace that is not from us, but is from him as we symbolically take him into our being. that body broken on the cross and that shed blood that we reflect on and we remind ourselves that without the shedding of blood, there can't be forgiveness of sins. And we declare that blood to be poured over us as a means of claiming us And it is a way of declaring to all other gods, all other powers, all other principalities. That we are bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus. that's poured out for the sins of many. Take some time. Enjoy the day. Enjoy your families. But also enjoy the gift of the presence of God with you. And he will be with you. If you put your confidence in him. Great to be with you guys. Don't forget to watch the three videos that we have. Uh, They're just a good way of spiritually engaging through song and through music. Uh, the, The heavenly realities. And uh, we pray that you will be blessed through them and through this message. You guys take care, and hopefully we'll get a chance to see you soon.